the moon in love with my intelligent body. Like that's really how I would describe it. I was really, really proud in a way that was completely different from the pride that I felt with my first son. And you were seen by your loved ones, by a group of people. Like, I just find that so beautiful um, that they were there with you. They witnessed it. They were, they were willing to look at, at, at what you passed and, and I just feel like I can see you just uplifted in this magic that you went through in the magic of women can do. You know, we, we hold life, we hold death. Um, our bodies are made to go through it all. And I, do, I just find it so, it is very beautiful. For sure. And that's really what I felt about it too, that I had now. Hello, beautiful soul. Emily Alexina here again for another awesome episode. I'm so excited about this one. Welcome to this show, to this space. In this space, I share with you my journey towards striving to discover my human potential and on all levels, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, And I love speaking with other people and discovering their paths to and and their journeys towards healing and new human potential. So before we begin today, I'd like you, I'd invite you to take a moment to take a deep breath. And lengthen your spine. If you're sitting or standing, maybe grounding down, pushing down into the earth a little bit. And lengthening, feeling the top of your head reaching towards the heavens. And think of one thing about your body that you love. And just say thank you. (laughs) Thank you to that part for being, for existing, for being there, for having it, for that special, unique part of you. If you have a greater faith, perhaps thank you to Mother Earth or any divine being that you believe in. Thank you. It's funny, as I say this, (laughs) I thought it could be a nice, a nice gift to offer to the listener. And I have, I have a few ideas out of, of my own body. And, and I think, oh, no, not that. Oh, no, not that. Not, uh, no. My smile, yeah, no, but the teeth, uh, maybe. My feet are a unique feature. They're very big, size 11 women. But, oh, no, maybe not that. <laughs> No, generally, I'm very happy with the body I have. And I would say right now, what actually comes to mind are my shoulders. I have very square, um, strong shoulders. And in my life, I've tried to um, not make them too built because they, they tend to square up and look very athletic very easily if I start doing any kind of exercise. And often in um, my early postpartum period, the first two years, 
after having a baby, my arms and shoulders get really strong again because I'm carrying the baby around. And I actually have to wear, well, I don't have to, but I find that my clothing choices change because different t-shirts fit um, differently if my shoulders grow like (laughs) an extra inch, inch and a half in this time. Um, And uh, yeah, like my feet, I've kind of been self-conscious about my shoulders, but right now I'm wearing a tank top and they're kind of sticking out. And uh, I feel very, very grateful for my shoulders at the moment. Yes. So before we dive in, how have I been doing? How have you been doing? I hope you have been doing well. It is the end of February, February 27th, as I record this today. It's been um, just over a week or some time since I recorded this with Elisa. And it's still quite winter. Um, the snow is melting, but it's, this is kind of snowstorm season, I would say, until the end of March, where it could get warm and you get peaks of spring, but there's still these big dumps. And I sometimes find this time of February the hardest. Like, January's hard, but it's just dark and you kind of make it through. This is like the end of the marathon of winter. It feels hard sometimes, and I find that if I reach out to people, to friends, I'm noticing that they're also kind of just finding things hard at the moment. We're all just looking forward to spring, and that's that's what I'm telling people. I'm really looking forward to spring. I try to avoid saying I can't wait for spring because truly I can. I can be in the moment and wait for spring to come in its time, and I am looking forward to the extra sunshine, to the snow melting, to being able to wear a lighter coat. I'm very much looking forward to that. It's been tough. I have to say it's been tough being home with the three babies um, cooped up in winter. This is um, one of the, well, compared to my other two postpartum periods, um, not as lonely a postpartum as my after my first baby, but pretty close. Um, I find just the way my community has arranged itself right now, people are, are busy and are, things don't line up, especially with having an eight-year-old and a baby. I can't really bring my eight-year-old, my homeschooled eight-year-old to the baby things and connect with moms and babies. Um, so I'm finding that really hard. I will share that in another podcast episode where I go into more detail. I'm looking forward to doing some kind of audio journaling episodes. And another thing is that I have been so hungry. I'm about, what, eight months postpartum now. My appetite is through the roof. I find it's very hard to feed myself and I don't have specific cravings like I did with when I'm in my pregnancy so it's not very clear I'm like very hungry and my husband wants to help you know he's saying what do you want to eat and I'm saying I don't know just feed me and then sometimes he makes something and I'm like oh I just don't want meat or, oh I just no not no dairy no dairy please and I feel bad for him and he's going crazy and I'm going crazy and I think what I am craving are is uh, fish salads fresh fresh salads and chocolate 
and chocolate in pregnancy and in early postpartum would make me stay awake throughout the night and now I can handle it which is great and lastly I'm also um, feeling my my womb feels heavy as if my bleed is about to return and it's a very odd feeling it's it's like I'm in perpetual PMS because I had a dream about a month ago that I got my period and it's funny another mom whose baby is a month younger than Teo she also had a dream of getting her period so it's funny how we get you know I had baby dreams and and now I have period dreams but I I have an intuitive feeling it's going to come maybe this summer I've never had my period back before a year um, after the baby's birth so that will be interesting I will keep you posted on that and thank you to those who are sending in reviews and questions and comments from previous episodes. This really keeps me motivated to keep going. Okay, introducing Elisa. This episode is jam-packed with so much wisdom. She has three children. She talks about a family-centered loss, and she talks about it being her first home birth. It's, it's incredibly beautiful, um, and it, it sets her, or it encourages, to keep, encourages her to keep going on this path of no, not being with midwives and just being at home in her family, trusting her own self for her births. She talks about a really difficult traumatic birth it's kind of crazy I sometimes don't want to believe that these stories are happening especially with midwives and then and then you hear more stories and um, I'm listening right now to Clarissa Pincola Estes her audiobook on how to be an elder and in it she talks about how painful it can be to see difficult things in the world, to see the suffering in the world. She was talking about, you know, the treatment of animals, how how painful it can be when you start delving into how animals are treated in some of these large-scale slaughterhouses, etc. And how painful it can be. And then yet that painful, that high price of pain pain in seeing these things is mm, perhaps compensated by the um, payback and, and the feeling of value that we can feel when we're doing something about this pain that we are seeing, um, that we feel very valuable as a human and that we are doing valuable work. And I found that very much resonated. And in this story, in Elisa's story, you will see how um, pretty incredibly... Um, abusive her first birth was with midwives with a midwife in a birthing center and then how she took that information and went on to have three more incredible birthing experiences including the birth of um, a baby who had passed including a miscarriage with her family and so I also hope that as I hear all these painful stories of women that I can give them a space and a voice 
to be shared with other women as maybe warning and also in some cases because they have been able to find other ways and, and beautiful birthing experiences um, to share their wisdom and to share their journeys to healing uh, and finding a new and different way. So let's get to the show. So hi, Alisa. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'd love for you to just start with diving into your story, where your motherhood journey story, where your ideas about free birth kind of started. And yeah, take us wherever you want to start. Yeah, so I have three children. One was just born uh, about three and a half months ago. And my oldest is five. So I guess my mothering started, yeah, about six years ago now. Um, I always wanted to be a mother. So I was very excited um, finding out that I was pregnant. The first thing I did was contact a midwife office. Um, none of my close friends or family had had uh, pregnancies or babies at that point I was a little bit on the younger side so I didn't really have any reference of what anyone else was doing but I did feel like I was very gauche just going for a midwife like oh my mm. goodness like <laughs> I, I'm so <laughs> hippie I'm gonna have a midwife um, and at that time the Ottawa birth center because I'm out here in Ottawa had just opened a few years prior and so that almost solidified my choice. Like, oh, I'm going to have a nice, beautiful hippie birth at the birth center. <laughs> and isn't that, you know, just the most radical thing you could do. And, and that's where I was at for that. So just called the first midwife office that took my call and started having very routine prenatal care, um, all the testing um, that, of course, is the same as when you have an obstetrician like there's almost like, no difference and, yeah that's uh, true so even though it was nice seeing um a little more maybe rapport during the appointments you know um talking through a bit more than just um what I've heard from friends that have had since doctors it still was the uh, you know same care routine regulated um testing that they offer in Ontario so I went through that very normal pregnancy um felt very good and uh, kept working all through my pregnancy. And, and do I, I remember correctly that you're a nurse? Or am I'm I a paramedic. That? Oh, you're a paramedic. Okay, right. Yes. I am. Yeah. So I think that was also um, part of my like chip on my shoulder sort of thing too, because all my coworkers are in emergency work, of course, right? So, oh, you're not giving birth to the hospital and all of this. And and I was pretty steadfast my whole life on, you know, birth is a natural. Um, my mother always had positive things to say about it. And so that was, I think, another little bit of a, uh, yeah, I, like chip on my shoulder. Like, oh, I'm a paramedic. Oh, but I'm doing this sort of more radical thing. Hmm. So um, you, you came from, you had no like scary birth stories in your family or that you had heard. It was just innate from your culture and community um, that birth was going to be okay. And, and it was all good. There's a yeah, my mother really had this view of it's no big deal. Like, yeah, it's it's just birth, which is beautiful. I think, um, you know, she never really like bragged about the beauty of birth, but nor did she have 
horror stories. You know, she didn't have anything negative to say. It was very much like, yeah, you you have a baby. It's it's good and it's easy, and uh, which I appreciate. That, that yeah, so I've never had any instilled fear for sure. Okay. Um, so I just spontaneously went into labor with that pregnancy, um, before 40 weeks. So there was no, um, reduction mm-hmm. yet of the, the midwives. So I woke up with some cramping, labored at home until it became what I thought was, you know, a little too much and made our way to the birth center. And of course, right away, we get to the birth center. It's a beautiful home environment. But I have to have a surgical cervical check right away. And I walk into the room and it's a beautiful home setting. And there's already a drawn up vial of oxytocin on the uh, bedside table after the birth. And so it really took me out of it because even though I knew that it was still a medicalized person leaking through the pregnancy, it was very shocking to see this like needle. Um, You know, speakers in me right away. Um, and it was a hard labor. So it was mostly back labor. I, um, had a great partner who basically just had to physically support me the whole time. I think I was a bit surprised that the midwife did not offer physical support. Yeah. At that time, I was a bit confused about the roles. Midwife, that sort of thing. Um, and it carried on for a full day, which of course I know now is very common and normal, but the midwife started to get a little spooked, right? It's back labor. It's, it's long. I'm making sounds like I should be having the baby, but of course I'm just having a hard vocal labor. She wants to break my water. I say no. She asks repeatedly until I say yes which is not consent. Why did you say, um, why did you say no in the first place? I think I had done enough. um, I'm going to say quotations research that I knew that that it didn't have to be broken. I had sort of read, you know, the risks to that and I just wanted it to go naturally. Oh, that's Um, great. Cause I actually, it sounds like I had a similar experience with my first, I was with midwives. And the first thing they did when I arrived was, Oh, let's break your waters. And I hadn't heard that in the research. And, Mm. and, uh, I was like, Oh, I I guess. Okay. What, what, sure. You know, with like no background information and looking back, I was like, that was really invasive. (laughs) Yes. And they presented to you like it's it's the norm, right? Yes. Your labor is carrying on. So now we're going to break your waters. And for some people, if that's, I mean, a choice is, is weird to say because obviously most women aren't reaching in and breaking their waters themselves. So it was definitely the, you know, the first big intervention that had happened. Mm-hmm. I had said no until I didn't because I was annoyed at her asking. Wow. So, and I, I want to say for anyone listening that breaking your waters, what it looks like is they have this long hook. Oh yeah. Like for me, it was this like yellow thing with a hook at the end. Um, and it's made of plastic and they put it inside of you and they kind of like hook your sack um, to, to break it. And yeah. um, it's, it's not necessary sure. in any way. It's a, it's a total intervention. Um, yeah. The baby, the, the sack can actually help cushion labor. So I don't know about you, but after my water broke, my labor was excruciating um, and it was, there was still a while to go um, yeah. and it would have been more cushioned had there been water there. So that's just a bit of background for, 
for anyone listening, because it is presented as just this like normal thing everyone does, but it's not, it's, it's invasive. Um, yeah. And it, and it's no benefit. It was no benefit. Yes. To mm-hmm. It's no benefit to my son. The benefit is because the midwife began to be impatient. Yeah. So that obviously was clarified to me more like as maybe the year went by, but in the moment I remember still being very annoyed because mm. I had spoken to her beforehand and I'm saying no during, and it still happened. So once my water broke, still a hard labor. Um, my son was 100% posterior. Um, and of course, she's also getting antsy about that. So she's having me do the runaround of positions. Go over here, go over here, go over here. I'm exhausted. I'm doing mm. nothing instinctually. Mm, yeah. Um, And eventually I give birth on my back because I'm exhausted. And what happens is she is manually prying me open with her fingers. Oh, my God. So my entire three-hour pushing stage, there's a stack of packets of lubricant beside her hands. And she's opening them one at a time, lubing her hands up and prying me open. And during obviously like I'm trying to get my baby out there's just so much going on but it's excruciating and it's not necessary and it's abuse so that's happening my son eventually comes out full sunny side up um I'm feeling extremely proud of myself I think Mm -hmm. that was my first emotion of like Everyone around me is telling me that was a hard labor. That was, uh, you know, an amazing feat of unmedicated posterior birth. Wow, you didn't have to be transferred. Great job, blah, blah, blah. And I am just bulldozed by the physical pain that I endured right postpartum. (sighs) I think that I was very blinded by um, the ease of a vaginal birth that you see on the media everyone's walking, you know, Mm. Um, I think that I was thinking, oh, if I have a C-section, I would be physically sore. But if I have a vaginal birth, not physically sore, Mm. which was not what occurred. I, you know, I could not walk after the birth for many days. I had to be lifted by my partner in bed to even nurse because every single muscle in my body was pulled from her coach pushing, even though I had no epidural, you know, no reason to have been coached um blood vessels in my eyes are burst my whole face is swollen it was really difficult and then day three four I get hit by a truck with this like horrible anxious feeling in my body Mm. so I'm just heart pounding for like a straight week I'm having like a flashes of heat through my body I'm having self-harm thoughts I'm just like unsure what is happening. The only thing I want to do, thank goodness, is nurse my baby and be touched by my family Mm. and my partner. And so my body is like actively really trying to like flow that oxytocin down to help me figure out why the hell I'm feeling like this. And while I'm feeling like this, like the, the heavy breathing, you know, not being able to even just step into my shower to like, you know, take care of myself. I'm picturing her hands inside me. Mm. And then obviously afterwards, I'm realizing when I put all these pieces together that like, this didn't have to be that hard. The labor, of course, you know, labors can be hard. And that's the beautiful 
you really have to work hard to get your baby out, but not in the way that, that was hard for me. Like no one's hands have to be inside. No. And can I ask you, um, so when she checked you, um, she could did is that when she determined that baby was posterior and so for anyone when a baby comes facing towards the front of the mother towards her belly usually I mean I usually <laughs> what the <laughs> what the medical world likes to see and has determined is the best out is the best outcome is when babies come out facing the butt and like a majority of babies come out that way but Babies come out all kinds of ways. There's many variations of normal and the medical world tends to panic when babies are anything but what they want. And so if they're sunny side, if they're facing up, um, what has happened to some women, including my mom with my brother, is they push the baby back in and try to turn them around. Um, and otherwise, if they know the baby's posterior, like your midwife, they start to panic and stress. And so I'm just wondering if cervically did she determine that baby was posterior and then the mood in the the mood in the room kind of shifted or was it just because of your back labor I think it was further in I mean I had multiple checks yeah yeah yeah. so it wasn't the first check but definitely um further on into the labor she determined that he was OP I've seen my notes since and it's kind of a progression of notes and so I I would bet that she started to panic at the same time that she realized that he was OP and then this whole wow. circus of movement started. <laughs> yeah. And so I know you're going to share some amazing birth stories after, but I want to put this in here for anyone listening, um, because this is part of why I'm strongly against cervical checks. With my second baby, I was with midwives, but I refused all cervical checks and she was OP. And when she finally came out with difficult pushing, like harder than with my first, and the midwives were kind of like confused. Why is this so hard for her? Um, but it was because she was facing up. I, I was actually on my back by choice. Um, and after the baby came out, they were like, they were floored. Even the student midwife said, wow, I didn't think that was possible. My other, my main midwife said, oh my God, like women usually transfer for this. And, and I always think back to that birth. Had I had cervical checks, that birth would have gone completely differently because they would have been stressing about this OP baby. Yes. And I was told afterwards to by, you know, my follow-up midwives, that doesn't happen. We don't, you know, if we don't see a quote, natural posterior birth. Oh, wow. And so afterwards I did sort of realize wow. like maybe how uncommon it was. And I think that's where also my pride came in of, wow, like I did such a good good job and then because of that I think for many months I didn't sort of question what else had happened oh my god um so other than that first two weeks of just really feeling I mean definitely some some postpartum mood yeah um dysregulation you know breastfeeding went super well um and because I never wanted to be separated from my baby in that first initial space I think really set a stage for you know my mothering which was Uh, you know, a good thing. I'm very much like pro breastfeeding, pro attachment, you know, and, and I do credit that a little bit with having almost, um, such a visceral physical need to be with him after some of this abuse. Mm -hmm. And then I will, I will say the other part of that birth, which was really much an eye opener, um, to, you know, consent in the medicalization of who I had chosen 
was, you know, my placenta afterwards, right? Placenta comes out. And of course, um, my midwife, who's already spooked, is already in this medical mind frame, is pushing on my fundus with me almost screaming no. No, you don't have to do this. No, please don't. No, don't do that. And her just doing it anyway. And, And that also was on my mind in that week where I was like crashing with this anxiety and this sort of like rebounded pain that I was experiencing. And they probably gave you the oxytocin shot. Ah, so the oxytocin shot on the night side table was not given (laughs) because I quote won that battle. I said, no, you're not giving me that. No, you're not giving me that. Oh my God. We have to push on your fundus. (gasps) Really? Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Which is such, it's just ludicrous now thinking back on it and how, how, just horrible like the the system is to women concerning the you know quote you're in a natural birth center and still like I you know I wasn't right I was in a hospital setting I want to cry right now like I I've heard these stories before but I'm really sorry like in that state of birth we're so open we're on natural in drugs you know hormones that are created by our body we are so open and vulnerable. And so, of course, if you had all of that violent touching of your body, then that gets, like, stored in your body in a crazy way. Um, For sure. Wow. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So the next year, as I said, mothering, you know, was wonderful. Um, and then I started to find the concept of, unassisted birth about a year postpartum mm-hmm. so I remember like one instance I was just on social media and suddenly this video popped up of this woman and it was like woman gives birth with just her husband I was like, what's going on here and of course it's just a very normal you know awesome video of a woman having her baby in her bathtub and I was floored I was like what is happening <laughs> what is this I need to know all about it immediately, like immediate connection yes. with the concept. And I do, well, you know, through social media, find, you know, Free Birth Society, like their Instagram page. And I'm, you know, going through and I'm reading all these posts. And at the time, I still didn't even know what a podcast was. <sighs> so I think it was probably like a month after I started following this. You know, I'm like talking to my husband. I'm kind of shy about it. And I'm like, um... Yeah, so like, so what's a podcast? How can I listen to them? Do I need to pay? What's happening here? And you know, he always <laughs> kind of laughed at me and set me up with it. And anyway, it, you know, very similar stories to some other women I've spoken to about this, but just at that point, devoured story after story of any sort of unassisted home birth I could listen to, and just really going through everything that had happened to me and how outside of natural I had then thought my birth was Mm -hmm. um and can I ask you as a paramedic did you ever see any birth emergencies before um, before your birth no I hadn't and to be quite honest there the birth quote emergencies that are getting called um for 911 are typically not emergencies typically the ones that I've heard of are home births that aren't planned so, of course, everything is perfectly fine, but they were supposed to be in the hospital. So, of course, it's still an emergency call because women are not supposed to give birth at home alone. 
And it's just a whole dramatic situation that it doesn't have to be. Now, the few calls that I've been where the midwives have called for a planned home birth, it's typically due to their policies. So a variation of normal happens, boom, we have to call 911. I personally have not attended a birth in my job that is a true emergency. Now, that doesn't say that they don't happen, but of course, that's another conversation, right? People are fully capable of calling 911 for themselves if they think they're in danger and that's fully valid right yeah but that's that's still interesting that in your career as a paramedic like there's you know there's all talk about birth is dangerous free birth is dangerous home birth is dangerous and um really the amount of true emergencies don't have like don't really happen no and of course like i said the 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 reasons behind 911 being called for birth a lot of the time is just because it's unplanned yeah, not because anything is wrong, unplanned or a variation of normal that the midwife's policies or their comfort level or their training doesn't make them prepared for. But it's exactly. they're not. It's not an emergency. Okay, yeah. yeah, I'm glad to clear that. So okay, so so baby number two. Yeah, you're so, podcasting, yeah. listening to the podcast. I'm listening to podcasts. I get into the tech world <laughs> of listening to podcasts. I'm you know really really aligning with the concept of unassisted. Um, I get pregnant easily again when my son is two. I'm very excited to start trying to find a traditional birth attendant, perhaps, perhaps a holistic doula, perhaps Mm. registering with the midwives and then maybe inviting them or not. I'm toying with a lot of things. Um, and can I ask you before getting pregnant, this is something I'm, I'm curious about. Um, did, um, so you had had a really, you know, kind of traumatic birth experience with the midwives. And was that was, um, did you have to process that? Did you think like, if I get pregnant again, I'm going to have to give birth again? Did you have fears about that? I think the first couple weeks, I was like, this is my only child. <laughs> like during yeah. labor, during labor, I was like, this is my only child. You know what I mean? It's one of those things of like, I need a minute to like figure everything out. Cause of course, even without the abuse, labor was so intense. This experience that you're never like in my case that I was very floored by the um, experience in Mm -hmm. not all a bad way, but definitely taking a minute to consider if I can really physically do that, do that again, even just naturally. Yeah. It's like, it's hard. (laughs) Um, but I think past a couple months, um, postpartum, I was feeling good. I was, you know, bit by bit processing, you know, why I had felt bad and then looking forward to getting pregnant again. So it wasn't awesome. too long afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had really tried hard to find an outside system support. I okay. emailed probably at least a dozen doulas in the area um, you know, trying to find anyone who would maybe be, you know, identifying as an out of system um, midwife. I didn't really have a lot of language at that point. Um, I heard back from two people and they both were said no. The majority of people didn't even email back out of fear, out of stigma. I don't know. Um, but that was disappointing. So mm-hmm. I couldn't really find anyone outside of the system. I ended up registering with a different midwifery clinic and just telling them right off the bat, you know, I will not be um, agreeing to much prenatal care. I will maybe invite you and then we'll see. Christmas Eve, I was 12 weeks pregnant 
and started bleeding. Mm-hmm. So I quickly, really internally could tell that it was a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a lot of blood at first, but just something deep down. I saw the blood and I went, oh, okay, pregnancy is over. I had had a huge hormonal crash about a week before where I was crying all day and I was really just just not myself. And looking back, I could probably pinpoint that's where the pregnancy ended. I thought I was just experiencing some mood swings in my first trimester, but clearly they had been a crash and now my body is processing this miscarriage. Oh, wow. So I carried on with my day. My husband and I had a, you know, a good cry. I think that he sort of intuitively knew as well um, that it was a loss, even though obviously first trimester bleeding is common. Um, The next day was Christmas day. (laughs) I worked, I worked uh, during the day and started passing a couple clots. Hmm. And then of course I went to go see my family because it's Christmas day and I'm starting to experience a little bit of pain. Um, and there was an instance of what do I do? Because even though now I'm on this journey of figuring out, um, you know, less medical support, I'm definitely on the side of home birth, you know, entering that sort of space, there is not a lot, I will say, a story medicine of outside the system loss. Not too many. I think a few more stories on Freebirth Society have come out since, yes. but perhaps not at the time yet. Yes. And at that time, I wasn't part of any memberships or groups where I'm asking people what their mm-hmm. 12-week loss looks like. Because, mm-hmm. of course, now I'm thinking it's not going to be a heavy period, but it's not a stillbirth. And I don't know mm. the sort of woman knowledge in between those two. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And of course, it's a bit different than a full-term birth, right? You don't have nine months to make a decision of what you're going to do. You have a couple of days. Mm-hmm. You have a couple hours. I, I didn't know what to do. My husband and my sister, who I'm very close with, were worried. And I did sink in a bit to their fears. So Christmas day night, I'm in the ER to confirm that the miscarriage is a, quote, normal miscarriage. Yeah, that everything is going... That everything is in the womb, that everything is a normal loss. Mm -hmm. And of course, I get, you know, crappy ER-like experience just really, um, I think, drove drove it home to my husband, too, that we are never coming back to the hospital again for any amount of care needed for my pregnancies. This is just ridiculous. The ER doctor on Christmas Day night was just a piece of work you know he's not even speaking to me he's throwing around medical terms like you know like it's nothing which of course I know what he's talking about Mm. and it's just a very disrespectful atmosphere for a woman going through a loss yeah so quick ultrasound confirmed that everything's in the womb everything's normal and I'm like fine I'm not coming back so we go home and did they confirm um, with the ultrasound that it was a loss Yes, yeah. yes. It was very clear that there was no heartbeat um, and kind of lined up with the time frame that I thought the pregnancy had grown to mm-hmm. and uh, headed home, um, you know, had a nice big beer and kind of kind of hunkered down in like not, you know, not too much of a negative headspace because, of course, I'm now very 
at least happy that I'm staying home for this. Whatever happens, I'm staying home. So wake up around 4 a.m. with my water breaking, which I was Hmm. very surprised about. Um, You know, this was my first ever loss. And I wasn't, like I said, quite sure how a three-month miscarriage was going to play out. Hmm. And wake up with my waters breaking and then bleeding starts. So... You know, I call my my parents, who I'm very close with. I call my brother and my sister. And by that time now, it's Boxing Day, so still Christmas. And we were supposed to see my family. And it became one of my most favorite days, probably in my life. Because I'm surrounded by the people who love me the most. They bring me food. They bring me comfort. My mom comes over and cleans my house. And I'm just laboring during the day in my home. And, you know, I go back and forth to the bathroom, bleeding. Um, You know, we're celebrating Christmas still. I'm going through the birth process in just the most normal way. Mm. And um, it gets a little intense. Like, it is a mini labor, which, again, still surprised me. And eventually I get into the tub and I suddenly feel the urge to push something out. Wow. And, you know, of course, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. And in such a magical way, almost, I go through almost like the, like the five stages of grief, like very rapidly, like, like anger, sadness, acceptance, bargaining, like it's like, boom, 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 in like a two second span before I push, you know, my pregnancy out. So what I push out is definitely not what looks like a baby. And I, and I was very open and I love talking about this because it's so not talked about in detail. Mm -hmm. So what I pushed out was not a baby, but was definitely, you know, a sack of whatever I had grown. I was very proud of this. I felt very good after like I pushed my pregnancy out and I felt so confident. It was a brilliant moment. Hmm. Like, I was like, this is really amazing. Like, I wanted to tell everyone immediately all about my loss. <laughs> and it almost sounds it. like the um, the high after giving birth. Yes. And of course, that was my Ew. first home birth. Like, that yeah. was my first introduction to, to not having anyone there but my family. Like, family-centered miscarriage. Yes. And I wanted my family to see it and, and, and they did and we paid respect and, you know, carried on a normal day. Um, it, it was just wonderful. Like there was. Can I ask if you could, sadness. did you say you could see that it was like the shape of a, of a little baby or was it kind of. And not um, really. No. So what I had passed was about, well, I passed a lot of blood beforehand and now mm-hmm. looking back, um, certain losses around that time, it seems that you kind of shed the placental tissue first in a lot of cases, uh. and then push out um, sort of the sac. So I think that's what had happened. So I had a lot of, you know, placental like um, cloths that came out. Yeah. And then about the size of my whole hand splayed out was what I had passed. So it was, it was almost like it looked like a like an organ, like like a big piece of like firm liver. Yeah, and I think that if the if the baby had passed a little bit beforehand, like it kind of starts to change its shape yes. um, in that time before it would be passed. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was definitely interesting. Um, it was, uh, it was super interesting to be honest. Like, like it was like, there was so much sadness, obviously, because it was a wanted pregnancy, but mm-hmm. it was also extremely cool in the sense that it was something that I made my yeah. body expelled. I was over the moon in love with my intelligent body. Like that's really how I would describe it. I was really, really proud in a way that was completely different from the pride that I felt with my first son. And you were seen by your loved ones, by a group of people. Like, I just find that so beautiful um, that they were there with you. They witnessed it. They were, they were willing to look at, at, at what you passed and, and I just feel like I can see you just uplifted in this magic that you went through in the magic of women can do. You know, we we hold life, we hold death. Um, our bodies are made to go through it all. And I, do, I just find it so, it is very beautiful. For sure. And that's really what I felt about it too, that I now have so much more reverence for death. Hmm. You know, there is two sides of a coin and one can be death and it can still be beautiful. Hmm. And I was also very grateful for my choice, that pregnancy of not having a first trimester ultrasound, Hmm. because I can't imagine my first um, um, knowledge of the loss to be in a room with a stranger um, and then making a decision whether or not to medically induce the miscarriage. I am so grateful for the knowledge that I had within that postpartum time from my first son to realize that there are other options and to know that my first sign of loss was just in my home and me discovering it and then deciding what to, was, was just wonderful. And I can also see how it's interesting. You had that hormonal crash a little bit before it almost seems like subconsciously you knew and you were already prepared on a deeper level before your consciousness um, was aware of it, you know, which is like the opposite of what happens in the systems where they tell you it to your mind and then you have to digest it from your mind to your subconscious, to your body. Um, for you, it was like the other way around, which, which feels a lot that it just makes sense, you know, and it's a lot, it's more gentle. Yes, yeah. definitely. That's a great word for it. definitely more gentle. Um, and that's, and, and that's what I would love to sort of, and what I do speak to people about if they've experienced loss or they, you know, there's a conversation about loss and I, you know, I just almost want to put it out as a choice or an option of it can be done just like birth. It's not any different than birth because it is. So Mm -hmm. the miscarriage is going to come out on its own because that's what your body is meant to do. Um, And I felt super well afterwards. You know, I had a lot of people question, oh, well, when are you going to go to the doctors or, um, you know, when is the doctor telling you to get pregnant next? And mm. I, I, it was so amusing to me. I was like, I don't even understand these questions. <laughs> I, I would, I, I'm not going to the doctor unless there's something wrong. Like there's nothing wrong. In fact, everything is like perfectly right. Like it was almost the yeah. epitome of health. Again, like, can't you see it? Can't you see how I am glowing with this birth? And everyone's like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> Um, so that was a great experience, I, I, I will say. Um, and then it was also nice to be included in that motherhood of death. You know, there is that sort of like romantic feel about it. And, you know, I would, ne- you know, again, I didn't want to have a miscarriage, but to have such a gentle and respected miscarriage was a turning point, I think, for my whole life. Wow. Um, so I did want to 
keep being pregnant. I, I felt well afterwards. Um, I had a very healthy cycle next and my husband and I conceived the cycle after that. Hmm. Um, and that pregnancy was unfortunately also met with many unanswered emails from birth workers and the confusion of where these authentic midwives were and um, still, even though I had such a good experience having this unassisted um, miscarriage, I still am a little bit, I mean, honestly lazy when it comes to knowing how to navigate my other sort of um, wishes that I wanted for the pregnancy that I didn't know how to access without regulated support. Mm -hmm. So for example, like I still wasn't sure about how to register my child in Ontario. Um, I, you know, I was nervous trying to navigate if I wanted prenatal testing. Um, and you know, very honestly, also I was still navigating my partner's comfort level too. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there was still, um, a little bit of a personal, um, hesitation when it came to fully going unassisted for the next pregnancy too. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I did register with the system with a different midwifery clinic and then it's COVID it's COVID a week after I found it I'm pregnant so in a positive way the midwives don't want to see me and I don't want to see the midwives <laughs> and so <laughs> it, it was a bit like oh no I can't have my routine prenatal visits like oh shucks like I was gonna decline them all anyway um, so basically I just used the, the, the midwifery group for what I needed. So, uh, I went for, I think two appointments just to basically show them pictures of my family to let them know who was going to be there. Um, I declined, um, all physical testing, you know, no, no, even fetoscope listening, no palpation. I was just like, I don't need you except for paperwork. And how did they take that? You know what? They were good. I, I, I was so clear about it, I think, and so confident that it's, I think it's really hard to question people when they're not leaving you a gap to be questioned. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and the same goes with people in my life. Like I have just 100% support from people or apathy because they know that I'm going to just do it. Like yeah. there's no, um, there's no room for people to, I think, attack you on your views if it's, if they're steadfast. Yeah, I had that same experience with my my midwives, my second pregnancy, I think they could feel that there was no budging me. Yeah. And so they they just had to, you know, make it work <laughs> and yeah. figure it out. And, and I've heard that from other moms who, you know, especially when you've already had a baby, um, you have that behind you. And, you know, that makes that plays a big role, I think. Um, Absolutely. There's not much that they can say and they feel that and that that's just the way it is. So that's great because I know a lot of women who get some pushback. Um, that's great. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it's also, I'm sure that I was with some respectful women mm -hmm. um, because obviously some midwives are not respectful, just like, you know, there are people in every line of work that aren't respectful. Um, so I want to say that it was probably a combination, but yes, I was very steadfast in my opinion um, and and again, I think the COVID atmosphere really helped because they were giving scant care to begin with when I'm sure with women who wanted the care, right? Uh -huh. um, so did you tell them about your birth? Did they know about what happened with the first birth? 
Um, yeah, we had like a bit of maybe of a debrief, but it wasn't me describing, you know, the the details like I'm describing on this podcast, okay. right? Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, um, it was just me saying, yeah, you can get, transfer the records from the other midwifery practice. Yeah. It was hard and my son was posterior and, you know, nothing, nothing, um, nothing in more detail. You almost wish that they could like call out their own, <laughs> you know, if there's like, if, <laughs> if there's people doing horrible things like that to women that are completely unnecessary, but it's, it, I, I don't see it happening yet anyway. Yeah. Okay. So coming up to my birth, it was, um, it was the plan to call the midwives and ask them to sit in another room and I'll ask for their assistance if needed. Like I am just dipping my toes into this unassisted pool as slowly as I can. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm like, why was anyway? Um, so so that's the plan. So I wake up um around two, two thirty in the morning, um, spontaneous labor again, and the labor is a train it is running through me um and I'm desperately hanging on and it is just so different from my first birth and it's great being home I like Mm. I am just a wild like woman and I'm naked naked and like whoever would be able to get me dressed and into a car is beyond me <laughs> good luck to them I don't even understand like how that would be physically possible um so 2 two thirty when I wake up you know I'm calling my mom and sister at say 4 a.m you know oh, baby's coming but take your time it's intense but of course it's not going to be that fast like <laughs> like how everyone doesn't think for their second mm. and get rammed by this birth um you know I, I have a memory of my husband trying to time contractions, which is hilarious to me. I chuck his phone down the hall. Like, what are you doing? I'm pooping my brains out. I'm just yelling. I'm waking my son up. Like, it was a crazy, awesome display of birth. And the midwives were called about two minutes before my son's head emerged. But, but of course they didn't make it and what I did really appreciate from especially my partner whose comfort level was not completely there beforehand Mm -hmm. was he was listening to me the whole time like can we call the midwives now no and then he wouldn't so Hmm. there was definitely like a good level of communication when I finally said okay call the midwives I mean my son's head I roared out and there's a beautiful shot of me like with my fingers grasping his head while I'm on my hands and knees uh, my sister and mom rush into the house. They're able to witness his birth. My son's there. And then he comes out onto the ground. We had thrown like a camping mattress on the ground. And I had this beautiful moment where like my monkey brain completely takes over. I have no memory of picking up my son. Like I think it just went full, full mammal mode, quickly assessed my newborn and then all I remember is like crying and my husband saying like, it's a boy. And it was just a great moment. Again, completely family centered. Um, wow. And, and so normal. And one of the first things that my husband says afterwards is 
Well, why did we even call the midwife? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. I had the same thing where I don't remember picking up my um my second. Like yeah. no memory. So that's interesting you say it that way. And how was your um first son um with that birth? He would have been what, three? He was three. Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, woke him up at five AM screaming my head off. So <laughs> He was like, and, and sorry, my, my son was born at 530. So it was a three hour birth from the first cramp to him being born. Wow, that is fast. Um, So it was, I'm sure just intense. And he was a regular three year old where he was definitely needing a bit of comfort and, you know, woken up in the middle of the night. And then immediately afterwards, he was like, okay, great. Like, who's gonna make me breakfast? <laughs> and this is a great family day. And you know what I mean? Like, it was even though he was a bit upset during the actual birth, which was half an hour for him, mm. it was immediately fully integrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was no, there was no little brother coming home from the hospital and who's this and what's going on. It was just so normal. And we just had the best day. It was the middle of November, but it was like 22 degrees here in Ottawa. We had this like wonderful warm spell. And I just sat out on my porch in the sun, naked with my newborn. Like it was, it was just divine. And the midwives did come about an hour later for paperwork for exactly what I had wanted them to do. They did our registration and then they respectfully left. So I also birthed my placenta on my own. Um, How long did it take? um, Maybe about 25 minutes. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was great. You know, I love birthing the placenta. So I know <laughs> it felt wonderful, and uh, we birthed the cord afterwards, and everything was tip top. It was great. It was the most normal morning, and uh, that really, I think, finally solidified my my journey to completely, 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 <laughs> completely. I'm like, I, it was like I look back and I'm like, oh my god, what a wimp! Like you just couldn't just. Uh, that last thread. Uh, I had I did the almost a similar journey, except I had a decent birth with my first. But uh, yeah, I had a similar slow journey. That is that just yeah. sounds so beautiful. Um, and it, it's so beautiful to have your mom and your sister there, and I'm sure that helped your son. Like there, you know, I find the the presence of strangers in the home um, is just hot, off-putting for everyone sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think in those COVID days, like you weren't allowed to bring your children to prenatal appointments, of course. And I think they still maintain that now. Yeah. And that's such a shame because if you're going to be inviting these midwives into your home for such an intense um, experience for those older children, it's really important. I think that they have attachment and trust to the strangers coming in. Um, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like instead of, like you said, instead of strangers coming you know, my son has his aunt and his grandmother over. Yeah. And they support him and they're supporting me. And there's nothing, there's nothing medical happening. Really. (sighs) It's not. And all the adults are chills. So for him, even though it's like a really big, different experience, everyone's calm. So like, what's the, you know, there's no problem. (laughs) Yeah. Even though mommy is just 
screaming her head off. <laughs> She's turned into a beast, an animal, you know, oh like a mama God, yeah. bear roaring her child into the world. I love oh, it. That's amazing. Absolutely. I do not whisper my babies out. That's for sure. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. Okay. So how, how did that postpartum go? Afterwards? I mean, completely different, you know, night and day, just, just didn't have that down, rode that high, felt well, you know, inside and out. Um, and really, again, I don't think, oh. it's so funny. I wish that more people had, had asked me about it. Like, cause I just wanted to, to tell people. Yes. And, uh, and, and I was really just in, in bliss. And the next year I'm starting to now trying to figure out my way in terms of wanting to support women in outside the system birth. Um, so that's sort of my journey afterwards as well, postpartum and figuring out, um, my next steps there. And then I'm pregnant about 14 months postpartum Yeah, with my third and my last and now completely outside the system. So almost like, you know, zero work to do, zero fears to go through, just fully living my life, almost forgetting I'm pregnant. <laughs> Forgetting that I would have had to go to appointments yeah. you know, had I had been with the system, like really just questioning how I could ever have been in that space almost because now I'm just so in it. And the pregnancy is again, just great. And um, your husband is fully on board and your family, obviously there's no problem with your family. <laughs> my husband is fully on board now. I think also starting to do that questioning of like other people's choices, like, why doesn't other people just have their, <laughs> their babies alone at home? Like, you know, like we're, you know, not the crazy ones kind of thing. I love um, seeing dads. I've met a few dads who witnessed their women birth um, alone and like their looks on their faces in those first weeks, they're like, but, but she just did it. Like it just, yeah. It, it just happened. Why, why didn't I know? Why, why don't people do this? Know, my it's so my, precious. My comment from my partner for my last two births were like, um, it kind of looked pretty easy. And I'm like, yeah. Hey, don't even talk to me. I know. <laughs> like uh, I get what you mean, but also it was not. Oh yeah. My husband said that about the most recent birth too. He was like, yeah, that was easy. We could do that again. Right. And I was like, uh, <laughs> it was really hard. <laughs> yeah, it was like really hard. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, my, my mom, super supportive. Um, and my sister is actually um, going through med school. So my sister is in it like, wow, one of the most amazing people I know, because she is going through in her professional career. And, you know, personally, too, she wants to give birth in a hospital one day, the almost opposite choice of what I had made, and yet is 100% supportive. And I wow. think that's such a tribute to, you know, how we were raised and like respecting people's choices because like, why would she question it? Like, I'm not going to question her choices. Like, why is she, why would she question mine? And it's just been also a beautiful relationship with that too, of just full, full respect and support are, it comes from a place of even different opinions, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so that's also beautiful too, that she was able to come and hold space in a completely supportive and non-fear-based way. Has she, she seen birth yes. in the hospital yet? She has. She, she actually has. And okay. uh, some of it has made her, um, quite queasy and, and prone to, um, like almost fainting. Um, and 
you know, doesn't experience that when she comes to my house. So, uh, but even after witnessing it, she would still choose to birth in the hospital. That's what, like, that's where she would want to go. And that's where I'm going to be at when she does choose that full support. Sure. If you want me to be there, I'd love to. And I love you. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So, so that's been a really nice family experience too. Um, and so for my third, it was very much an easy choice. Mom would love you to come. Sister would love you to come. And we're just going to live our life. Mm. And the morning I gave birth was almost very similar to my second was, um, just a few months ago, um, woke up in the early mornings with some cramping and some, you know, sort of juiciness um, down there. And I knew that it was going to happen the same as my my two boys. So threw down the camping mattress again, <laughs> threw down some towels, called my mom and sister. And then it was very hot and heavy, similar to my second. Mm. And I think that it was still a different birth because you know, in my heart, this is my last birth. Um, I how come you know, how do you know it's your last birth? What? Oh, just, just, be, you know, in, I, I, you know, my partner and I are very, very feel complete with three. Cool. Yeah. And because it was hitting me hot and heavy, the labor, like my second, I thought I had a long time to go with my second because I didn't know it was going to be a fast birth. So I, 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 you know, even though I was roaring my son out, I was holding it together almost because mm. I was preparing mentally for it to go on. And with my third, I, I just let myself go because I, <laughs> I was just going to go off the deep end because it's my last one and mm. it's so intense. And I just went, <laughs> I just, I was out to lunch, Emily. Like I was, I was crying, sobbing. I'm holding on to my husband. I'm, I'm yelling. I hate this. I hate this. And I'm just hyperventilating. And in my mind, it's just because I was like, you know, fuck this. Like this is, I'm just going to go crazy and no one can tell me not to like, no one's going to tell me to be quiet. No one's going to tell me to control my breath because I don't need to. I know this baby's coming out in like 10 minutes because I can feel it and I'm letting it all go. And I wish that I had video of it because I don't see that type of video even being posted. Mm, Just the the drama that you can be allowed in your own home in a positive way. Like not in a way of like hospital drama, Mm. but just of like, I'm just going to be a woman and I'm just going to cry to the heavens and this baby's just going to come out. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) And I loved it. And it was, it was intense and painful and I didn't want to leave you know what I mean there was no there was also no questioning of this is a bad choice um so it's so quick you know I put my fingers inside of me I can feel the bag and I think I get out like you know bag mom boys because I'm trying to like ask my sister to come get everyone from the living room to see for the time that she runs down the hallway to the time she gets back baby's flying out of me (laughs) in one push like I have the video of her head and shoulders come out all at once no no patience for this girl's adjustment and she just flies out and I'm I'm just sobbing it's done it's done it's done and you know that's speaking to such like a bigger part of like I'm done with birth this is Mm. the last firewalk she's here and 
uh, sorry, and we didn't know it was a girl. So that was such a beautiful moment too. You know, I'm like, I'm done. It's done. And then I'm saying, you're okay. You're okay. And then I go very quiet and it's like a very sweet moment of I'm just picking up my baby and making sure she's okay and seeing that she's a girl and my sons and mother walk in about five seconds after she flies onto that camping mattress and and they're calm and my two-year-old's so happy to see a baby and my five-year-old now five-year-old is is just watching me and stroking my hair and it's like nine o'clock in the morning and the sun's shining through and it's just you know it's just so great like there's no there's no words to even sort of depict the normalcy and the you know it's mundane but it's magical and you know it's so boring but it's yeah Mm -hmm. it's there's beauty in that you know like there's there's nothing to say that just tumbling your child out on your bedroom floor is a weird thing to do because nothing about it felt weird. I totally hear you about the mundaneness. Like with my last two births, I was like, it just happened. It was hard, but it was also kind of easy. It felt really normal, just like anything my body, you know, would do otherwise. (laughs) And yet, like a new soul just arrived on earth and so it's and into the family and so it's it's huge at the same time but <laughs> it is you're right it's like huge and also insignificant in yeah. a great way yes in a, in a way that it doesn't yeah like there's just there's nothing there's nothing um that needs to be said about it just uh oh I, I gave birth this morning oh yeah okay yeah I hear you like because the day just goes on especially when there's other kids it's like well the you know the kids to be fed and you know the things to to do yeah yeah exactly and uh I think what's actually really special about this birth and pregnancy too like I said like trying to trying to navigate my you know also desire to be a birth worker at the same time like Mm -hmm. a couple months before my daughter was born I was able to support um uh, a woman outside the system for for her daughter's birth. Um, so that was just such a special moment too of yeah. caring life and supporting life and feeling just so right in the world of knowing that, you know, though it's not everyone's choice, there's such a special path to walk if you don't get in your own way. And, uh, and no one gets into your way. <laughs> and no one gets into your way. And you don't let anyone come into your way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Did you have a feeling that she was a girl? And with the sex of your babies and all your pregnancies, I'm curious about that. Um, so my first son, like almost right away, I was like, oh, my son, my son's alive, <laughs> I'm having a boy. <laughs> and uh, in that first pregnancy, I did have an ultrasound to, to find out anyway, um, which was funny because it was the only one that I was so sure of. <laughs> um, and then for my second and third, we did not find out the sex, which was so wonderful. The um, I think I, I had a very not so not so secret desire to have a daughter. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was so special to to see and to to just hold her for that first time when she came out too. And of course, like to 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 free birth a, a daughter, I think is just such a nice gift. And and then to have my sons see that simultaneously is so beautiful. So Oh my gosh, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. I, I have the opposite where I have two girls and I free birthed my son. <laughs> Right, and then they get to see the yeah that power too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, the, these are just such such beautiful, such powerful 
stories. Wow. And so now you, uh, well, you're, you're still super early postpartum, but um, you're willing to walk with women um, outside of the system in their births, you know, if they want in your area. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I, I love, I love having learned from a place over the years that that's what I'm fully aligned with because I haven't, you know, I have no desire to work inside the system. You know, I'm just so firm on where I'm at, which I think would give more confidence to that support over the coming years, which I'm very grateful for. Um, But yeah, I'm uh, essentially um, really trying to put myself out there now and seeing how that would integrate into our lives. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just being that, that woman that, can be at least a choice that I didn't have for my pregnancy and trying to see if there's, if there's interest in that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and have you gone back to your work as a paramedic? Do you think you will go back? Um, I think this, I mean, I'm only about three months postpartum, so I'm definitely still off. Um, it's, that's a tricky question. You know, it's a bit of that golden handcuff scenario. Yeah. Um, which I think a lot of people walk with and the balance of family life and financial security is one that my husband and I haven't really fully worked out yet. Um, he's very supportive in my desire to start doing other kinds of work. Mm-hmm. And it will be, I think, a um, a choice that we will we'll figure out. And, you know, either choice I'll take responsibility for, right? Like, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely been such a shift in my life of really taking that full responsibility and not saying, well, I have to go back to work you know, there's no have to in this world. No. And I find you know? too, with like a wild pregnancy, um, I don't know if you felt this, but it's kind of like, well, if there'll be a problem, I'll deal with it when it comes, you know, in that moment, rather than like worrying, like, do I have twins? Do I, is there this? Do I put like all these like possible things that the system kind of wants to catch beforehand with ultrasounds and checks. And so they're kind of creating yeah. problems um, it's kind of this, this feeling of it's, a you know, birth, having a baby, birthing a baby is kind of a big thing. And we just go through it as like, well, I'm just going to deal with the things as they come and it's going to be okay. And then make the choices along the way. Um, and then you can kind of apply that to the rest of your life, no matter all the unknowns and things that come about. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's definitely that shift of knowing that things are going to happen and you always have a choice of how to to navigate them mm-hmm. and so the question with birth the question with work the question of family structure it's always going to be a choice yeah beautiful um yeah well thank you so much for sharing your story today um if women want to connect with you how can they do that um so i'm in ottawa central so i'm around ottawa and the valley and on instagram i'm at traditionalbirth.ottawa and my website is traditionalbirthottawa.ca great and i will post that in the uh, description of the podcast if anyone wants to easily click on the links and uh i wish you a great day uh elisa thank you so much thanks emily And there you have it. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening. Again, to support the podcast, feel free to review on whatever platform you are using, Spotify, uh, Apple, iTunes. It really helps the podcast. And also don't hesitate to reach out to me 
on Instagram is probably the best place at this raw mom life. Reviews and feedback keep me motivated to keep doing this. I have an awesome lineup of more women's stories to share, more of my insights and things going on to share. So stay tuned and have a beautiful day.